our present moment. Why would the cutting edge of modern technology now rest on visual images that were first drawn at the dawn of human history? Obviously, these ancient observers sensed a picture of reality so profound and so advanced that we have only just recently arrived at their doorstep. A timeless dawn, and you are there. The Aborigines' strikingly prescient view of the world says that all things are connected. Every relationship influences every other relationship. You cannot separate one event from another. They can only exist as a continuum. Further, the withinness of all things is connected. This allows information from everywhere to freely flow between any two points, building a fabric of connectedness that can be accessed from anywhere. Every time a layer of appearance is taken away, a deeper order lies beneath. What may at first appear as solid inevitably turns toward the invisible. Matter irresistibly turns to energy. If you look beneath that which seems stable, you'll always find the intangible peeking through. Thus, reality is not a fixed proposition. It's fluid and moving, continually shaped by the beliefs you have about it. We ourselves organize this unbounded field of possibility into the shapes we desire and can reorganize everything once again merely by shifting our beliefs. Equally, this could be a description of the new economy. The same principles apply. The new economy is leading all of us to look out and experience the very same view of reality that these early observers saw. And you don't have to learn how to think differently. You do it because the sensory experience of the electronic world naturally provokes it. You innocently download your email, look in on your company's intranet, participate in an online chat, research some information, and suddenly your nervous system is no longer the same. Merely by touching the electronic world, you have entered into a universe that your ordinary mind may not have even considered, and the traces of this contact cannot be erased. Our passion for heightened connectivity and faster response has led all of us to a place where our rational ways of defining the world are now insufficient. We are looking out at the very same timeless, fluid, morphing world that was first seen at the dawn of human history. This is why we have turned our eyes to the aboriginal world, the very same skills that they used to negotiate their magical, networked, multidimensional world are what we now need to negotiate ours. We may have the theories, but these ancient nomads had the behaviors worked out. We have to begin shedding an old skin. In the sections that follow in this program, you'll discover that the new economy requires a body of knowledge that we have likened to the aboriginal way. It's more instinctual, it's more collaborative, and it's intimately resonant with the surrounding environment. As we describe these new laws of success, be aware of these points. These are behaviors you're probably already using, but perhaps didn't realize. These are skills you value, but perhaps have kept hidden in the closet because the standard literature on success has not yet certified these choices as socially acceptable. You'll discover leadership strategies that build on intrinsic abilities that you have perhaps dismissed as trivial because they came to you so naturally. 
You will discover paths for creativity that you have probably used frequently, but because they were so effortless, you did not appreciate their true power and significance. Our hope is that as you listen to this program, you'll discover a series of cognitive and behavioral maps for organizing these emergent capacities into practical paths for solving real-life business challenges. Merely having new language for what you're naturally beginning to do anyway will accelerate your creative process and provoke heightened acts of courage. So the first question we're going to look at is, who owns the wind? One summer, a few years ago, a very interesting man came to our small town high in the mountains of Colorado. This traveler had spent many years living in the outback of Australia with an Aboriginal tribe. He came to know them, and they trusted him. He told us that the Aboriginal elders told their people to avoid the seduction of agriculture. Now, for the average Westerner, working in a garden is a wonderful return to the earth. But to these wise elders, planting is the beginning of the end. Suddenly, instead of following the weather, you want the weather to be different. And it's now easier to put things in straight lines. And because you have planted, you need fences. And since you have planted, you can accumulate possessions. And once your tribe is bound to a fixed address, forms of hierarchy emerge that were just not possible when it had to stay on the move. Because you've put down roots, for the first time you must consider defending your territory. Thus, convenient as it is, planting is the beginning of control. It's for this reason that these Aboriginal elders taught their people to avoid agriculture. The Aboriginal spirit requires the freedom to follow the wind. Thus, an ancient nomad carries